You are listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Do you know what I always struggle with? We're laughing laughing way too much on this show. Obviously. Tell me. Fred Guidi, Pastor Fred Guidi introduces the podcast yes, technically he, yes. he says you're listening to the horizon church podcast and just every time that that's happening i'm thrown for a loop for like 0.7 seconds because obviously we figure it out right but that's my struggle oh it did that it just throws you for a loop yeah that's all okay that's that's know, honest his smooth yeah. buttery radio voice just i'm like oh yeah this is what we hear before this actually oh what everyone else hears yeah so, yeah yeah because we have double introduced more than one occasion yes yeah and it's like man that's redundant uh, okay. you know but uh, as the Apostle Peter said, it's it's no harm to you that I remind you. And it's it's good. Oh, you know, I right? like that term. That's a good application a of good that turn. scriptural truth, yep. right? You know it. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I bet you're feeling uh, mighty refreshed after a trifecta of sermon delivery this weekend. A trifecta of sermon delivery. Maybe another example of the misuse of terms, but it's close enough. <laughs> Nice, nice job, by the way. Um, well, but thank you. as you alluded in the sermon, there's some extra content that we're going to cover right here and now. We're going to do a little bit of a deep dive. That's correct. On, uh, well, on Jephthah. Yep. One of the quote unquote tragic heroes in the book of Judges. Big surprise, by the way. Judges yeah. being yeah. tragic. <laughs> tragic. You, uh, when we were going over the sermon, you called him an anti-hero? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like I saw that yes. somewhere along the way. Yeah, basically, I, it was thrilling because I can't tell you that I was very familiar with the story. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's kind of the one thing, one of the things that has just escaped me over mm-hmm. the years. But yeah, he has this incredible journey to become this very strangely Robin Hood-esque, but also just not good anti-hero. Yeah. He's clearly done some questionable things to get here and mm-hmm. become the freaking leader <laughs> of a gang. I just picture Sons of Anarchy, but on camels. <laughs> and uh, so he did some questionable things. I think it's safe to say. And that's what we're going to get into here. Yes, you are correct. That is quite a mental picture. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sons of Anarchy on camels. I picture like monogram stitching on the back of their robes of their club, of their camel club. Oh, wow. I will never forget that. That's going <laughs> to enhance or taint my reading of that oh, story from here on out, depending on how both. you look at it. Enhance. Yeah. No, it's enhance. It's an enhancement. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, Jephthah is, he is a questionable and mysterious, tragic sort of character. Yeah. Just some background. If you were around this past weekend at Horizons, you heard the sermon and you know that, of course, as Ethan alluded to, he becomes the leader of this gang of scoundrels and vagabonds and not a great family upbringing. His half-brothers hated him, which is kind of what drove him away and how he formed this kind of fractured family of his own. Interesting how that shows up repeatedly Mm -hmm. in scripture. Yeah, it really does. So he assembles this gang of scoundrels. He's known as a mighty warrior. Eventually the Ammonites, who are a people group that have harassed Israel for a long time, they come again. They're harassing Israel. Long story short, the people who rejected Jephthah are like, hey, actually come back and lead us, please, (laughs) (laughs) with your your sons of anarchy. And um, he's like, all right, yeah, fine. I'll do that if you'll make me your leader. Yeah. (laughs) Bring me back. It seems like he's questioning how much they mean it. Yeah. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, do you really, are you really prepared Mm -hmm. for this? Yeah. And so he does that. And here's what we didn't have time to really delve into this weekend in particular. And it's a huge part of his story. While he is preparing for battle, you can see that, for lack of a better term, it's hard to say precisely what's going on in his mind because the narrator doesn't tell us. But it appears that he has a pronounced, perhaps, mistrust of Israel's God. Oh, 
Okay. Which, who knows, maybe that perchance was influenced by the fact that his own family drove him away. You know, and yeah. thinks, oh, God is supposed to be our father, all these things. Long story short, if you're familiar with the story, you know that as he's preparing for battle, he says, Lord, if you will give me the Ammonites in battle, I will offer up to you as a burnt offering the first thing that comes to greet me after the battle. Oh, w- w- oh wait a minute. Yeah. That sounds wildly reckless it's indeed wildly reckless oh my goodness okay so here's the thing right he's so undescriptive mm-hmm. like you need stipulations yeah. when you make such strong vows you need, like the first thing that greets me that's not my firstborn child <laughs> you know the first thing that greets me that yeah, i mean come on that is an animal you know? like yeah the first sheep that happens to wander out of the oh, stall goodness. but that is not what he says and in fact that section depending on which translation of the bible you read that section heading will read jephthah's rash or tragic vow no doubt so he makes this vow he's trying to box god into a corner really which is silly because he just he just the box is now around him. Yes, it's so ironic in so many ways. Long story short, again, he ends up defeating the Ammonites in battle, of course. God does deliver them into his hands. And then, as you tragically alluded to, as he returns from the battle, who comes to greet him first? Who comes to greet him? But his only daughter. Oh, wow. See, you know when I said firstborn son? I was really just spitballing. That's no. But it's his daughter. It is his firstborn only, only daughter. I hate this guy. Who comes greeting him, you know, with tambourines and singing to say, you know, like, congratulations, you know, it's like the welcome home party. You've defeated the Lord's enemies and he is... What if, like, from a party, he's like, no, you go go back, go back. I don't know who that is, but whoever it is, go back. Send your ex. Let's kill your ex instead. He was abusive. You know, something like that. But yeah, he does not. And this is where you really get into how messed up, I guess is the best way I can describe Jephthah, how messed up he is and how confused and lost he and his family are. Because what happens is is he doesn't mourn the fact that my daughter came out to me. What he actually says is, and I can't remember precisely the wording off the top of my head, I'm paraphrasing just a little bit. He's like, you have caused me great grief. The implication being, you've brought woe upon my name. Is he a psychopath? Basically. That's, you know, he is, he's messed up. He is severely, severely messed up. So not only is he just a narcissist. Yeah. And it's all about him. Yeah. He goes through with this. Yeah. So. Oh my goodness. The Mosaic Law in Leviticus 27, Deuteronomy 18, there are specific provisions made by God, mm-hmm. right? We know exactly what God thinks about what Jephthah is about to do. Yeah. In Deuteronomy 18 specifically says, you are not, again, paraphrasing just a little bit, but you are not under any circumstances to offer up your children right. in fire. Exactly. Like your pagan neighbors do. Exactly. This that was is, a thing out there in the world. The yes. People, yeah. Yeah. And the people of God were absolutely forbidden from doing it. Like, so in the strongest a, possible It's terms. a conundrum. It is. And what you actually kind of discern from this is that Jephthah is probably a bit syncretist. In other words, he's not familiar. He does not know the law of Moses. He is oh. untethered from God's revelation. Because his entire life has been spent with his motorcycle club. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. He's been out on his own in the land of Tob, you know, leading his gang, doing terrible things out there. And his daughter is too, because here's the thing. In Leviticus 27, provisions were made that there might be a scenario. Okay. No, this happens in, in Samuel, the book of Samuel. Hannah has her son, whose name is Samuel, right? Mm-hmm. The namesake of the book. She offers him up to dedicated and sacred service 
to Eli the priest, right? She's yeah, like, because yeah, God, yeah. you missed out. I'm going to offer him, offer him as a servant to mm. the priest, and he'll spend his days, you know, service and service to the Lord. It's a wonderful thing, you know. Yeah. It's a it, nothing wrong with that. However, the Lord made provision that if for some reason this wasn't going to work for you anymore, like you just couldn't do it, it wasn't feasible, something came up, you could make an offering of a certain value of money, and basically would say, all right, you can have the person who you had consecrated to the service back. An escape clause. Yes. Now here's the thing: the rabbis would read this, and I can't remember the name of the principle, but it had to do from like. If it's true in a lighter matter, it's true in a heavier, greater matter. If Jephthah had raised his daughter in the instruction of the law, and if he had, you know, well, <laughs> if he perhaps had not been traumatized and had actually, you know, trusted God and known him and yeah. all these things, that rash vow, for one, okay, God's like, don't do it. Yeah. Just don't offer up your child. But even if he doesn't come at it from that angle, which is the most obvious and clear cut one. Yeah, just not do it. His daughter could say, hey, I get what you said. I understand, you know, you want to keep a vow to the Lord. I'm going to let you finish. But you could technically, quote unquote, buy me out of it. Yeah. Because you can do that if, you know, you send someone to the sacred service, you know, in the tabernacle. How much more could you do it if you're about to profane the name of God and offer me up as a burnt offering? But she doesn't because she doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't no one know knows. To do that. No one knows. No this one is... in his, like, he, he is so untethered from reality and he's become so syncristic that this is what happens. And his daughter says, yeah, okay, just oh, give I... me, just give me two months to mourn my virginity because oh my gosh, I didn't have children. Is that a covert way to say that she's going to do the opposite? Well, that's what you might think. Okay. But she actually legitimately Details roams not... the mountains with her friends for two months. Yeah, yeah I think we know. Mourning her virginity. Oh, no. she, it's like, no, mm. did she? No, no. Let's just say I have doubts. <laughs> uh, no, hold on. Let me do a massive clarification. I'm not saying, I'm not like being speculative about scripture. I'm saying we don't have all the details. That's true. I have a question. Yeah. And if this derails us, if this is horrible, we can cut it. Yeah. So here's the thing, right? He proposes this deal mm-hmm. to God saying, if you make sure I win, yeah. uh, I will do this horrible thing that you don't approve of. Yeah. It seems strange to me that God would say, deal, mm-hmm. and then give him the battle so that he performs this act that is very clearly prohibited. Yeah. So is it reasonable to think that God did not actually partake or bend the knee to a human's deal and just he just happened to win? Mm-hmm. Is, what's, the, what's going on? Yeah. So what we read in Judges 11 is we have the spirit of the Lord comes on Jephthah. Okay. But then after all that's happened is when he decides to make his vow. So it's very tricky. There's no way you can simplify it. There's no way you can get a 10-word answer that's like, oh, this addresses all the concerns and the issues, but maybe we can come at it from this angle. There are moments, let's say Book of Job. We'll Mm -hmm. take an example of this. Book of Job, Satan appears before God. Satan, the Satan, the accuser. The one and only. The one and only. And he has to get permission in order to do anything to Job. And of course, if you know the story of Job, book of Job. You know, a lot of terrible things happen to Job. Mm -hmm. All of that flows out of the providence of God, but that does not involve him directly, Invoking so it. to say. He's not the one who's working evil yeah. in this case. Not orchestrating, per Right, se. and that's, James says that later in his letter. He says, God is not tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So here, and we deal with this, you deal with this a lot, a lot in the Old Testament, and it's one of the things I think that hangs up a lot of people, yeah. and it's a bit, I don't know what word to use to describe it, so let me just say this then. This whole terrible event is in some ways very true to life as we experience it, yes, yeah. and is reflected in the rest 
rest of the Old Testament. Because you have a moment where you're thinking, how could God let that happen? One minute it's, this guy's got victory over the Ammonites, and then the next minute he's offering up his own daughter in the fire, allegedly to God. Yeah. And he doesn't say anything. Was the deal struck? Yeah. Is is he complicit in this somehow? Right. So here's, I think, what's important to keep in mind as we read a story like this. We have to remember that not everything that can be said about a situation is said in the immediate context of that story. Yeah. For instance, and here's what I'm really trying to hit on. We already know exactly what God thought about child sacrifice in Deuteronomy 18. He said, absolutely cannot do it in the strongest possible terms. If I'm, and I'm, again, I'm trying to pull this up to my head. I think the person who did that was supposed to be executed. Oh. You're supposed to be killed by the elders if you that, you offered up your child. That adds up. Right? However, he's made his will clear, but throughout the Old Testament, his own people do horrible things that he does not come down like some sort of thundering force from the sky yeah. every time to intervene and say, uh, well, I'm going to make you do this or that. And that isn't always a commentary on his approval of it. Sometimes what we actually specifically see is that God withdraws as an act of his judgment to say, you have so corrupted yourselves. This is what Paul argues in Romans 1. He says, sometimes people so harden their hearts and so corrupt themselves that the final, the most horrible judgment that God can usher in on them at this point is he withdraws. They're left to their own devices. They're left to their own devices. That's actually scary. It truly is frightening. And that's honestly one of the main thrusts of the book of Judges is that even though God will work deliverance for his people, Almost every time they've become so hardened and so untethered from the law, like Jephthah was, so untethered from who God is that he just says, I'm out. I'm going to leave you to your own devices. You're going to see what happens when that occurs. Do you think that happened the minute he made this vow? I think that's the most plausible scenario because... So the win was just a win and it was a stupid trap that he set up for himself. Yeah, that is... I don't want to use the word mystery because I think it gets overused and it's a bit of a cop out. But it is a tragic scenario where you have God would have worked deliverance for you and you didn't have to do this. But you're the one who had no regard for what God had said. You so tried to manipulate him. Again, that's, that is true of life. How often do we experience that? We see and experience horrible things in the world. Things that we know God hates and abominates. Right. And at this point in human history, he has not yet intervened in final judgment to say yeah. enough is enough. But the thing is, is he will one day. He is going to do that. And in the meantime, we're left kind of living in that tension yeah. of men like Jephthah. Dang. And uh, I'm not even in a motorcycle club. Yeah, that's it's <sighs> it's a uh, it's messy. It is one of the unique things I think about well the Book of Judges and the Old Testament in general is that you know you get so many religious texts that want to paint all of their people in the best possible light. Yeah. And Scripture does not do that. It lets you see everyone for all of their ugliness and sin and mm. forces you to wonder. How much does this reflect me sometimes? Yes. That's the really, really frightening thing. I think for me, like, and I don't even say that like as in like, an, oh, yeah, that's the generic, you know, oh, <laughs> it is frightening. How true that of me. But genuinely. Yes. Like. How quickly would I try to box God into how quick how often do we do that anyway? Yeah. It's frightening. And it actually puts me in mind of um oh an old Sufjan Stevens yeah. song. Oh hit me. John Wayne Gacy Jr. Yes. I don't know oh. if our listeners are familiar with that or Sufjan Stevens. How would you describe him? He's Well, I once heard it described that quote, the fact that Sufjan Stevens is a physical form might be the biggest surprise of the Oscars. I always thought he was some sort of singing ethereal cloud. <laughs> And this is when he performed on the Oscars a couple years ago. That is, it suddenly adds up when you hear someone else say it. It's like, yes, he does, in fact, sound like a singing ethereal cloud. Yeah. He just has a really unique way of looking at events in the world, as many songwriters do, but he's just a very unique perspective. Anyway, he wrote a song called John Wayne Gacy Jr. I guess that came out 
Golly, it was over a decade ago, I know. Yeah. It was a long time ago. It's still my favorite album from And him. the song is about the infamous serial killer, yeah, John Wayne is. Gacy Jr. And I almost hesitate to even say this because I would rather you just go listen to it. Yeah. In fact, I'm not I'm not even going to, I'm not going to say the line. Okay. I'm not going to. Oh, yeah. I, okay. Go listen to it. Just, just it's like three minutes. It's unsettling. It is. But he has this little twist at the end yeah. where he basically puts the onus back on us, yes. you, we, the listener, to say, be careful, like, because yeah. we're all capable of terrible things. And, you know, he doesn't end it on quite the same hopeful note that the scriptures, you know, at the end of the old <laughs> things these do, because the, no. the hope we have is that we can be redeemed. Nevertheless, it's a realistic and honest take. Yeah, it is. So the thing is, of course, the story of Jephthah is unsettling and there are tensions there. And I think the final bit to say here is that it is important. And I think this really tragically highlights it, that if we untether ourselves from the character of God as he has revealed himself, not just our ideas of him, right? Right. because Jephthah's primary issue was he had an idea of God that was informed not by the scriptures, but by the surrounding culture. He had a syncretized version of God in his head. Yes. And that had absolutely unbelievable tragic consequences. Yeah, it did. And our understanding of who God is and his love for us and his purposes has to be grounded and rooted in scripture as he has revealed himself. That is the tragic story of Jephthah. Mm, yeah, there's a there's a great note to end on right there. I'm glad we covered it, though. It's <laughs> yeah. very fascinating to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So hopefully that, as I said, it wasn't an exhaustive manifesto, but hopefully, you know, addresses some of those things. And, you know, as always, if you have more questions about it, you think like, hey, let's discuss that more. Let's dialogue on it more. You can send those questions to podcast at horizonschurch.net. Yes. Or you can interact with us on social media, Facebook, Instagram. We really like Instagram. That's our. Yeah. That's yeah. that's where it's happening because, you know, that's just where we are, you know, mm. Instagram. But, you know, also Facebook. That's, yeah. that's cool, too. You know, if you, if you have questions, you could just email us, though. Yeah. Also that. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, thank you, as always, for listening. Yeah. And we'll catch you next time. Mm.